Welcome to the Glory Podcast. We're so glad that you're listening. Our mission is to declare God's glory. Please visit glorychurchkc.com to hear all of our other messages. First of all, I want to pray. I want you to close your eyes and pray with me so we set the tone and prepare our hearts for what the Lord has to tell us today. Father, thank you so much for being among us in this midst. We pray that you prepare our heart, you soften our heart, that you quiet our minds, that you quiet our spirit so that we can hear your voice, Lord. We pray that our minds are ready to receive what you have for us. We pray, Lord, that you breathe upon us. As for myself, I pray that you give me the dexterity to articulate what you, what you have put in my heart for this morning, Lord. You are good, and we worship you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Good morning, Glory Church. It's exciting to be here this morning. For those who don't know me, my name is Brian. For those who know me, my name is still Brian. Uh, this is Glory Church. We are led by Greg and Kate McKinney. And we, our mission is to declare glory and build a strong household so we can build a strong community. So if this is your first time today, you just, we just want to welcome you. We're a family and we encourage you to use your Connect card. We want to pray for you. We want to get to know you better. Write your name, write your prayer request. And we just want to get to know you better, right? So uh, today... We are wrapping up our sermon series on the presence of God. It's been a powerful series. And what we, wanna, what, wanna, what we want to do today is just make sense of all what the Lord has been telling us. So for those who have not been in the whole series or not participated or are not acquainted with the tabernacle, we're going to do a brief introduction. We're going to talk about uh, every stage or every sermon that we have seen previously. So... Basically, what we did was that we believe there's a lot of information in the form or, or the protocol that the Lord shared with Moses about the tabernacle. So we started with the altar of sacrifice, where we talk about what we bring to the Lord and how many times in our life where we contaminate uh, our worship or our fire with sins that the Lord has, hasn't asked, to, asked, asked us to bring to him. So we talk about how to trust God in the sacrifice that he will bring the fire. The first week was so powerful because we realized that sometimes we want to make our own fire when we see that the Lord hasn't come or descend with what we have prepared. We bring the wood, we pray, we call the name of the Lord, but if he doesn't show up, we are tempted to push the fire. And that's called a strange fire. We're trying to help God in something that he doesn't require help from us. So second week, we talk about the laver. And the laver was powerful because the laver taught us about seeing ourselves as God sees us and not as we see us. That means that we need to come to the word and see the reflection of the Lord and what he has spoken over our life. It was so powerful because the priest needed to wash his hands and do a whole ritual looking at the water, reflecting himself, but not looking at himself as though he was in human flesh or, 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 or in sin or in shame, but as God saw him, as God saw him with grace, 
with mercy. And then we move to the third week where we talk about the altar of incense, powerful. It's about prayer. I personally love prayer because I think when I think about prayer, I think of surrendering. I think of giving God the things that I can control. And I've been, as I get older, as we all get older, I think we should do that. But as I get older personally, I rely, I rely more and more on prayer because I've found quietness in prayer. I am kind of a control freak. <laughs> and I, I like to be in control, right? So when things start to go the wrong way, in my perception, I freak out, literally. I, I have like an anxiety rush and I can't sleep and I'm like, oh, this is going wrong. What is, God is so mean to me, you know. But when I pray and I open my heart and I say, Lord, honestly, I, I can't do this. I, I don't have the control. I wish I could. I bring it to you. So third week was the instance of prayer was getting into the holy place, bringing the instance of prayer. It's, it's changing, like the atmosphere. It's, it's separating. It's separation. And Pastor Greg talked about how we are tempted to do things our way. You know, like control freaks like me, Lord, it's going out of control. But if we trust God in the holy place and we bring prayer, then we find that quietness and that clear, uh, that clear mind to make the right decision, which is what the Lord decides for us. So... Corinthians says that we will go around spreading the fragrance of his knowledge. And that's what happened in the holy place. We spread the fragrance of the knowledge of God, of the knowledge of Christ. And that's, that's, that's a blessing. And now, today, we want to talk about the holy of holies. It's a challenge. It's, it's, it's deep. It's powerful. So I want to read uh, some scripture and the first one is in Exodus 25, verse 22. It says, there, talking about the Holy of Holies, I will meet with you and from above the mercy seat, I want you to highlight that, mercy seat, from between the two cherubim that are on the ark of the testimony, I will speak with you about all that I will give you in commandment for the people of Israel. Then in Hebrew 8, Verse 1 to 7 says, Now the point in what we are saying is this. We have such a high priest, one who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven, a minister in the holy places, in the true tent, highlight that, the true tent that the Lord set up, not man. For every high priest is appointed to offer gifts and sacrifices, thus it is necessary for this priest also to have something to offer. Now, if he were on earth, he would not be a priest at all, since there are priests who are offering gifts according to the law. They serve a copy, listen, a copy and shadow of the heavenly things. For when Moses was about to erect the tent, he was instructed by God, saying, See that you make everything according to the pattern that was shown to you on the mountain. But as it is, Christ has obtained a ministry that is a much more excellent than the old. As the covenant, he mediates, it's better, since it's enacted on better promises. For if that the first covenant had been faultless, there will have been no occasion to work 
for a second. So here we see two things. First, Moses is writing about the guidelines or the instructions that the Lord gave him about the holy place. He said, I will, this is powerful. This really, I thought about it. I was ruminating about it because the Lord says, I will meet you from the mercy seat. Listen, sometimes we believe that God is going gonna, is gonna, is gonna to meet us from a place of guilt, from a place of, of, of blame. But the Lord is saying, is instead of meeting you in a place of fear and doubt and fear, I'm going to meet you in a place of mercy, in a place of grace. I'm going to speak to you from love and kindness. So let's talk a little bit about the Holy of Holies. What was the Holy of Holies? The Holy of Holies was a place where the, the priest was supposed to get once a year to offer uh, sacrifice for the sin of the people, the whole, all the sin they did in the previous year. So there were, they had a few requirements. First of all, they needed to have blood in their thumb. They needed to have blood in, the, in their forehead. They, they needed to have blood in their, in their right toe, the, the, the first one of the foot. And they, they needed to have a ring or a belt wrapped around their hip. So if they were in sin and they die, they will be taken out with a rope. That's, yeah, that's why <laughs> it's good we're not in that covenant. So it was, it was a very like, tedious and thorough process and ritual. He enters once a year, offered for the sin of people, but inside the most, the most private place of the tent, there was the Ark of Covenant. And the Ark of Covenant had three sins. It, has, it had manna, which was what came from heaven. If you're not familiar, when the people of Israel came out, they were hungry, and they, they told Moses they wanted to eat, and the, the Lord said manna. Uh, there was the staff of Aaron that flourished overnight, and there was the the tables of the Ten Commandments, meaning that the Lord provides for us, meaning that we have his will and his heart and his knowledge with us, and meaning that he's going to approve our leadership. That's the staff of Aaron. The staff of Aaron meant that he shows Aaron and his household to be priests over the people of Israel. Now, with that in mind, we're going to go around some concepts that I think I believe are going to be powerful for us to understand what the Lord is trying to say. And then we're going to try to connect and match the Old Testament and the New Testament where we read in Hebrews that Jesus is now the high priest offering for us in the heavenly place, in a tabernacle that the Lord himself prepared before the beginning of earth. And from that tabernacle, the Lord decided to give Moses the pattern for a tabernacle on, on earth. The Bible says in Hebrew that the sins that we see are made from the sins we don't see. So the, the world is governed by the sins we don't see. The Lord revealed to men what is supposed to be on earth, and then from that, we move on. So why to use the tabernacle? We're going we're gonna to see some concepts about the tabernacle here in a minute. The tabernacle represents protocol. It's training and preparation for us to come to his presence. So the tabernacle is like setting our hearts in the right posture so we can worship, so we can bring our prayers, so we can bring our requests to the Lord. Number two, tabernacles mean habitation. It means to live in or with, it means to dwell. 
The purpose of the tabernacle was for God to dwell with his people, to dwell in his people, to have a habitation among the nations so they could see that God was the God of Israel. Uh, in the tabernacle, God is wanting to dwell in every aspect of our life that we, we walk with him every day. The tabernacle was a pattern of heavenly things that God showed Moses. God desires, his heart, his mind, his thoughts are for us to participate in heavenly sins. That's why, that's why Paul, the apostle, in one of his letters, he said, look that you focus your mind in heavenly things and not in earthly things. The tabernacle was separated in courts. So the altar of sacrifice and the laver were the first court. The second, the holy place and the third court was, was the... Holy of Holies. Now, when we say that this is about training, this is about posture, this is about preparing our hearts in a way that we are sensitive to what, the God, what God is saying, uh, the David says in Psalms uh, 100, verse 4, enter his gates, talking about the courts, the outer courts, with thanksgiving, and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, and bless his name. So I personally have been like in a little struggle with the Lord. Uh, many of you know that I stepped down from ministry probably two years ago because I was my passion, my fire for the Lord, my desire for his sins and for ministry and to serve God was quenched. And I have been in this kind of rebuilding. Uh, I was, the Lord paired me with great. He's been ministering to me, praying with me, pointing out. He's, he's a bold man. There was one, one day we were talking about, some, about something. He goes like, watch yourself. I was like, he's bold because he's calling me out, man. You need, you, need, you need to be bold to do that. And setting my heart in the right, in the right posture. When I, when I read this, the Lord told me, you know what, Brian? The reason why you burn out? The reason why you're fire quenched is because instead of praise, you were coming with complaint. That's, that, was, that was powerful. Instead of worshiping, you were focusing on the sins that you didn't have or your lack. Sometimes we focus on, in our lack and not in, in what the Lord has given us. We, we're not grateful with the sins we have, the people we have, the places we're planted. So the tabernacle... When we come to the outer course, when we start this process, this protocol, this preparation, the right thing to do is to prepare our heart with praise and thanksgiving. The psalmist says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. If you are burning out, if you are tired, if you are restless, you need to praise the Lord. You need, you need to focus on thanksgiving. You need to, to pray that. In this way, Lord, open my eyes so that I can see the people you have surrounded me with, so that I can be grateful and praise your name. So the tabernacle, preparation, habitation, a place where the Lord wants to dwell with us, right? Now we're going to move on to the presence of God. In theology, we learn about God's omnipresence, one of God's special attributes. This means that he is everywhere. Now the question is, if God is everywhere, does that mean that he manifests everywhere? Well, we learn, there's a concept I don't quite remember, but we learn that God does not manifest in every place, although he is 
in every place. So being in a place and manifesting in a place are two separate things. To manifest, he has to let people know that he's there. But to be there, he can just be there and be quiet. So if I enter in a room, I am in the room, but people might not notice that I'm there until I yell or scream or I do something that draws attention to me, right? So that's manifestation. It's drawing attention to him. So the first mention of the presence of God appears in Genesis 3 verse 8. This talk about the way the Lord interacted with mankind in the beginning. And when I say mankind, I mean human race, men and women. So there's a powerful word that I want you to, to look at, and the word is Eden. The word, the word Eden means a spot, means moment, means presence, it means open door, and it means delightful place. There's something very interesting about Eden and the Hebrew uh, language. And I, when I found this, I was like, oh, this is, this is kind of nerdy. Let's do it. Uh, they were... If you have been exposed to Chinese, Japanese, or those languages that are written in a stroke, every stroke has a meaning. So that's the case with eating. Every stroke of the word has a meaning. It means a spot. It means moment. It means presence. It means open door. It means delightful place. So let's talk a little bit about eating. Eating was a physical place, right? When the Lord formed man... Because the, Lord, the Bible says that he formed man, he ideated, he, he thought about man. And then he created, in, chapter, in, in a chapter later, he said, and he created mankind to his image, to his likeness. The Bible said that he planted man in Eden. I'm curious about this because the Lord first created the environment and then he planted man. You see, the Lord has prepared an environment for you and he desires to plant you, but you have to be willing to let, God, to let God guide you. So this was, a, this was a physical place. Man was planted there. But when sin came, when Adam and Eve sinned, they were taken out. And the Bible says that an angel was uh, put as the custodian of the place. So this was, this was a physical place. Now, can we say, can we argue that this is also an environment for the believers today to abide, to dwell with God, to, to live, to carry that environment inside of us. I believe so. This implies more of an atmosphere as it implies a physical place. We can argue that eating is a spiritual environment and not only a geographical place. By that I mean that when we are dwelling, when we are in partnership with God, when we have this koinonia with the Lord, we are friends with God, we carry Eden with us because Eden is a place, an environment. And, and when we carry Eden, we go into places and the atmosphere can shift. If there's anger, if there's, if there's violence, know that you, you are a carrier of the presence. You carry Eden inside of you. So there's another word for presence in Hebrew and the word is panim. B-A-N-I-M, and it means face, implying a close and personal relationship with God. So I want you to think about this a little bit. Edom and Panim, the Hebrew word for presence. It means spot. It means, it means presence. It means open door. 
to a delightful place. It is, it is a moment, it is a spot in the presence of God that opens doors to a delightful place. It also means that the face of God is shining upon us, that we have access to the king. And I want you to think about this. In, in, in the Old Testament, in the Hebrew tradition, we, people were not allowed to go before the king if they had no permission. There's a, there's a, there's a story about Easter, or Easter, I think, yeah. She was about to advocate for the people of Israel. And the process, the protocol was to, to go before the king every 30 days. And she made a bold move. She said, I'm going to go inside and whatever happened, happens. And she goes inside and uh, the king extends his staff, meaning I approve you. I accept you. You are allowed to be in my presence. That's the attitude of God for us. You are allowed to see my face. You are allowed to have a personal relationship with me. So we see protocol. We see, we see that to be in his presence, there's protocol, there's steps. But his desire is for us to see his presence. First Chronicles 16, 11 says, Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his panim. Seek his face. Seek his personal relationship continually, continually, continually. So a relationship with God is more about constant seeking of his presence instead of sporadic worship. I'm going to repeat that. That's powerful. A relationship with God, it's more about constant seeking of his presence instead of sporadic worship. I am very related with that. Sporadic worship can happen to all of us. It doesn't matter who you are, what you do, what is your position, what is your status. We default to sporadic worship because we are in this flesh. For me, sporadic worship was, I was, I was angry, okay? I was mad at God. It's not that, I mean, probably he hears me talking about this and he's laughing because I believe that I was mad at God. I was angry. But actually, I was mad at my environment, you know, because I was, I was in an environment that God planted me with the wrong attitude, with the wrong mindset. So I'll be, I'll go into his presence just because I wanted him to show up for me while I was preaching or because I wanted, I wanted him to correct something around myself, something that he plays there so I will, I, I will be trained, I will be tested and refined to his character. And I was like, God, take it away. God, take it away. Take it away, you know. Yeah. Take it away, Lord. Take it away. And I will go, God, take it away. I remember once I was, I was very ill because I was like, I was fasting every from, from Thursday to, to Sunday, every week for almost two years. And I was barely sleeping. I was praying constantly and praying and praying and praying. But I was driven out of fear and not purpose. You see that? Do you see the sporadic worship? Because my prayer and my devotion was driven by fear because I thought anointing will leave me. <laughs> That's crazy, okay? We'll talk about that later. I thought... The Lord will forsake me, will abandon me if I wasn't constantly putting myself under uh, a strict discipline. I was in a sporadic worship and not constant seeking. You see how like 
fears just sneaking and doubt and, and, and all the traumas that we carry from our childhood and we interact with God in that way, where he's saying, come with delight and I will show you my purpose, but we're coming with sporadic worship. So I was ill. I couldn't, I couldn't fast anymore. I have a ulcer. Is that the word? I got an ulcer in my stomach. Uh, my, my nervous system was broken. I mean, I couldn't sleep at all. I would, be, I would be like this in the bed, like, what am I doing? You know, sporadic worship. And in the Dominican Republic, what happens is that when you are in ministry, you, you kind of have like an agenda and a schedule. And it was January, and I have agenda, like, to June, through June. So it was like six months of agenda, and I was like, okay, now hell is going to break loose because I can't fast, I can't pray. And I'm freaking out. I can't sleep. My brain is not working very, very good. So I had a commitment, and I needed to fulfill that commitment. I needed to show up. I couldn't focus because I was sleep deprived, you know. And although I was in a sporadic worship, the Lord showed me that he wanted me to constantly seek for him. So I went from praying two, three hours a day and fasting every week to pray in about 15 minutes a day because I was mad at God. And the first time I prayed, like, God, the humble prayer. Okay, this is the humble prayer. God, I know you. I love you. I'm your child. If you heal me, Lord, I'm going to bless your name. That's the, that's the humble prayer. Not like, heal me, Lord. I, I want to sleep. I want to rest. I want you to heal my stomach. Then it came the angry prayer, like, <laughs> shortly. Minutes later, I was like, I am your ministry, and I, I am this, I'm serving you. This is because I've been serving you and seeking your presence and stuff like that. And you know what the Lord sent me? You know his answer? Silence. He didn't say anything. I was like, cool, I like that. And then came the pity prayer. You know, when you were pitiful, I'm going to say like, Lord, <laughs> you know I did wrong, Lord. Lord. Have I seen before you? Have you seen that pattern in your prayer? The humble prayer. You come like as a sheep, you know, Lord, I love you. Oh, Lord. Then the angry prayer. I'm mad at you because you got me into this. And then the pity prayer. Lord, have I seen? Have I seen, Lord? You know what God told me? Nothing. And then years later, he's like, you are. You were in a sporadic worship. No delight at all. The presence. Our relationship with God is more about constant seeking of his presence instead, instead of a sporadic worship. So based on these principles, the presence of God is the environment, is the atmosphere where he lives. Therefore, his longing that we come to this place to contemplate the beauty of his holiness. Now, I'm going to bounce real quick to the benefits of his presence. See, David is praying. David, David had a struggle too. David couldn't sleep for a different reason because he was a warrior and he had enemies all over the earth. And he prayed, the Lord, he said, the Bible says, it, I think in Psalms chapter 4, he says, Lord, I will go to bed in peace and I will sleep because I trust in you. What he was saying is, I know these people want to kill me. They want my head, but I trust 
that you will protect me. He was struggling too. And he says, you make known to me the path of life in your presence here. There is fullness of joy at your right hand, at your right hand, pleasures forevermore. In your presence, there is fullness of joy at your right hand, pleasures forevermore. Psalms chapter 16 verse 11. Fullness of joy, fullness of joy at your right hand, pleasures forevermore. I want to emphasize the right hand. Because what we read, that's, that's going to be important when we wrap up the message. Because what we read in Hebrews is that Jesus is seated at the right hand. He's seated at your right hand, pleasures forevermore. Our flesh defaults to us doing sins our way in our strengths. Whereas the Lord's intention has always been for us to work from his presence so we can experience rest rest so there's a few words that i want to or, or a few concepts that i want to share here and one of the benefits of his presence is the lord's endorsement the lord's endorsement i really didn't know like what endorsement was i i heard about it a few times because you know like in, po in politics people need endorsement of someone else like the approval and stuff like that so when we are in his presence that's the highest level of endorsement that we can get is the highest level of approval. It's God saying, this is my beloved son with whom I'm pleased. The Lord endorsement, approval. It's God saying, yes, I love you. It's God extending his staff. I know the word's not staff, but I don't remember right now. Extending his staff and saying, you are allowed to be in my presence. Rest, there is rest. When we work from the presence, we experience partnership with the Lord where out of our delight on him, he gave us the desire of our heart. And I want to make a huge emphasis here. I came to the United States two years ago to pursue a master's degree in computer science. I don't know what I was doing if you ask me, but I did it, right? Uh, and I remember that it got tough. Sometimes it got tough. You know, not my native language, culture shock, and all the cool stuff that happened to you. Just different people from different countries. All my peers, they came with like 10 years experience, you know, from India, Afghanistan, uh, Saudi Arabia. And I was like, I just graduated in the Dominican Republic with a degree that's probably with not the best training, okay? Let's just, let's just say that. So, you know, like there's always prerequisite that you have to take. I never have the prerequisite. I was like, yeah, yeah, that is great. And my professors were foreigners too. They were from South Korea, India. So you can imagine like the absent shock, like we all talk in sunset, we don't even know what it is. <laughs> and when I got in the first class, uh, my, South, my South Korean professor, which I respect, I respect dearly, he started teaching. I was like, is he speaking in tongues? <laughs> I, was like, I was like, what is he saying? It was hard. And I knew... The Lord opened this door for me to come to the United States. But I was trying, you know, the control freak guy that my right eye started blinking. I'm, I'm like getting a shock. I wanted to control it. And I was in fear because I was like, there's no way I'm going to get this degree. I mean, if this is starting off from the get-go and I don't have a clue of what the professor says, like, you know, 
literally, I fe- I'm not joking. I felt like he was speaking in tongues. I was like, this, is, this ain't good. This ain't good. I better get out of here. I got tired like two months from being here. And I was like, I am going back to my country. There's no way I'm going to stay here. You see, we default to what we know. We default to safety because we don't trust that God wants a partnership with us. What did the Lord do? Like, what did the Lord do to contrast my, my reaction and my stuff? He will bring me to his presence through the people he surrounded me with. And these people will be like, we believe in you. We encourage you. He connected me to people saying, I am in partnership with you because I want you to get this degree knowing that the glory is mine, not yours. You see that? That's powerful. So when we work from the presence, when we work from this partnership, when we work from Eden, from Panim, from endorsement, from an atmosphere of partnership with God, he gave us rest. So I got it together, didn't, didn't lose my sleep. I was able to rest and take it, you know, take it one day at a time. And the Lord was enforcing me. He was helping me. He was like, I am with you. Just rest assured that I will give you the strength. Distinction. He separates you. People seeing you stuff that, that are particular. I remember once I was, I got in, a, in public transportation in my, in my country. You pay like a cent and you can go, like there's a route that the public transportation takes you. And the driver is, is staring at me like this. And I'm like, this guy is creepy. What's, what's going on? And then he goes like, you're a Christian, aren't you? And I'm like, yes. <laughs> yeah, I knew it. I see a peace in you. And I see that your, your face is shiny. And I was like, are you a Christian? And he's like, no, I'm not Christian. But I felt it when you got in the car. I was like, wow. Distinction. The Lord separates you. The Lord, his face shines upon you. And people will acknowledge that he is with you. Favor. This is one of my favorites because favors enables you to get to places that otherwise you wouldn't be allowed. You remember? Master's degree in computer science with a poor training in the Dominican Republic. Like, hey, the prerequisites, does, they don't match here. You know, there's no, this doesn't make sense. But favor enables you to be in places that you wouldn't otherwise be. All his goodness. I like this one too. So Moses is praying, and this is chapter 33 of Exodus. So a couple of months has, has, has passed by since the people led Egypt, you know. And they have seen, they have seen miracles. They have seen uh, manna. They have seen meat come, uh, come down to earth. They have seen God being good to them. And now he's praying, and he says, show me your glory. If you don't, don't take me out of here. And the, what the Lord's answer? I will show you all my goodness. All my goodness. In the presence, the goodness is his provision, his love, his care, his protection. They were in the desert. And the Bible says that their clothes didn't wear, didn't wear off. Do you imagine that? Not having to go to Target for 40 years? Woo! That's good for our pockets, right? <laughs> Compassion. I will show you compassion. Do you remember? This is, this is prophetic. I will not speak to you 
from a place of doubt or fear or shame or guilt or loneliness or depression. I will talk to you from a mercy seed, compassion, compassion. Now, this is the fun part because now I have to make sense of all the things I've said, right? <laughs> the holy of holiest today, Hebrews chapter 8, verse 1 to 7. So we saw that the holy, the holy or the high priest needed to, needed to go into the holy of holies with a ritual. He needed, to, he needed to put blood in his forehead. I feel the presence of the Lord. I feel God is moving in this place. He needed to put blood in his right thumb. He needed to put blood. It was tedious. Like, I wouldn't get there knowing that if there was sin, like, found in my heart, I'll be dead. God, you choose someone else to get there. But Hebrews said that he is our high priest. That we have access through Jesus. And that instead of that old covenant, he was bringing a new covenant so the the author which is unknown according to some theologians theologians uh, is unknown they don't know some argue it was Barnabas some argue it was Paul but he's saying that Moses made the tabernacle from something that was heavenly from something that was established already in heaven but there was not a high priest yet because Jesus hasn't offered himself as the high priest. But now, when Jesus died on the cross, the Bible says that he went into that tabernacle and he sat in the right hand of the Lord. Do you remember? Like, there's, there's pleasure at his right hand forevermore. Jesus sat there. And, and what is powerful about this is that Ephesians, the series that we're just heading into, to, says that Jesus is is seated with us in heavenly places, interceding with God. Wow, that's powerful because the Lord is saying that we have access through Jesus to this place and we don't need, we don't need blood, we don't need an altar of sacrifice, we don't need a lover, not a, a physical one at least. We are getting there because of what Jesus did, this, this, this protocol, this process, this training is happening constantly in our hearts, in our hearts, in our hearts. So God's throne is a tabernacle, is the tabernacle. I'm going to dive into this a little bit, but I want to say this. Us and the presence of God. Exodus chapter 40, verse 34 says, then the cloud, this, this is, this is when the tent is already built. It's, it's, it's already working. Then the cloud, the Shekinah, God's visible dwelling, dwelling presence, covered the tent of meeting. And the glory and brilliance of the Lord filled, filled the tabernacle. You may ask, like, can we argue that Jesus really entered this place? That Jesus really got into that heavenly tabernacle that I'm proposing today? Yes, we can argue that. And in Acts chapter 2, that someone read earlier, says, When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. 
and I want to pay, pay attention to this. And suddenly a sound came from heaven like a rushing, violent wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. I'm going to propose something wild here, right? What was happening in Pentecost wasn't, you know, many people just argue like it's the spirit and speaking in tongues and the tongues of fire. Sad. It's, not, it's not so much about the, the spirit, although it is about the spirit, but it's more about what Jesus did and what was happening. We know that he just resurrected. He spent 40 days talking to the disciples and now he went to heaven. I argue that what's happening is that he was entering heaven. And because the bells were ringing in heaven, in the, in the heavenly tabernacle, the bells were ringing saying, there's no sin in this man. This man is clean. He, makes, he, he was obedient. This is, this is a sacrifice that I accept forever and evermore. There's no more sacrifice needed. It was saying, my endorsement of this sacrifice, now you don't need a physical tabernacle. You have access to the holy tabernacle. It was not about the spirit, not only about the spirit, it was about Jesus. That's why when Peter stands up and starts preaching, he's not talking about the spirit. He's, he's explaining, his, in, his, his introduction is about Joel prophesy about this, but then he's talking about Jesus. He's saying this Christ that you kill, that was put in the, in the hands of the Romans, this is the Christ. He was enabled and acted with miracles and power to do powerful things. This Christ, he's, he doesn't know, you know, like I don't think he's completely aware of what he's saying, but he's saying this is the sacrifice once and for all. Hallelujah. So, I'm going to read Hebrews again, and I want you to keep in mind all these things I've said so far, and pay attention to this. Now, the point in what we are saying is this. We have such a high priest, one who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven, a minister in the holy places, in the true tent that the Lord said, not man. For every high priest is appointed to offer and, and gifts and sacrifices. Thus, it is necessary for this priest also to have something to offer. Now, if he were on earth, he would not be a priest at all, since there are priests who offer gifts according to the, Lord, the, the law. They serve a copy and shadow of the heavenly things. For when Moses was about to erect the tent, he was instructed by God saying, See that you make everything according to the pattern that was shown to you in the mountain. But as it is, Christ has obtained a ministry that is as much more excellent than the old. As the covenant he mediates is better, it's better. It's better since it's enacted on better promises. Enacted on better promises. For if that first covenant had been faultless, 
there will have not be occasion to look for a second one. As we finish this series, the Lord heart is for us to acknowledge and enter his presence. Where we can experience a state of cleansing and partnership with the almighty God. A place where his holiness is revealed to us. What is powerful about this is that we have access through Jesus. It is all about Jesus. It's Jesus. He is the Alpha and the Omega. We have access to Jesus. Jesus himself wants us to access the riches of his glory, as well as position us to sit with him in righteousness, in heavenly places. You can stand up. I want to pray for you. We have access through Jesus. We have access through Jesus. We have access through Jesus to the presence, to this environment. We have access to Jesus. He himself was a sacrifice, so we can rest assured that we're going to bring real fire if we trust him. He was that sacrifice. He was in the altar of sacrifice. He offered himself, dying for your sins are my sins. He was in the laver. He's the logos, the fulfillment of the word. His, his desire is to show us the way he sees us. He is the anointed one. He is the Christ. He is who separates us, offering his incense on the throne in the holy place. But not only that, the Bible says that through his flesh, through his flesh, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh. And see, we, since we have a great priest over the house, over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled, sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure, pure, pure water. What the author is saying, what the, he's saying is that the bill was thorn. It was, it, was, it was broken. It was thrown apart. It was saying this covenant, this old covenant, all this ritual, it's fulfilled in me. And the Apostle Paul says that we are the temple of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. What Paul, what Paul is saying is that Jesus is seated in that temple, longing for us to participate Longing for us to participate. Longing for us to participate with Him. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you open our eyes, our mind, our senses to receive this revelation so we can respond in the right way to your presence. So we can be blessed by this knowledge. The purpose of revelation it's so that we gain the knowledge to respond to God. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that your spirit start moving in this place. 
Thanks for listening to the Glory Podcast. For more information about this message or Glory Church, please visit glorychurchkc.com.